Okay, well, we'll get started then. I'm excited. I, we did have quite a few Facebook questions come in. Um, but yes, first yes. off, Morgan, just go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them kind of the operation you've got going on and a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, my name is Morgan Anderson. I'm 22 years old and I live in Raiden, Oklahoma. It's kind of out in in the middle of nowhere, um, kind of up towards the Texas panhandle, right on the Texas-Oklahoma line. Um, I moved up here because of my boyfriend. He, um, His family owns owns a big ranch. It's about 40,000 acres. So that's kind of why I moved up here, but I I absolutely love it up here. So it's been it's been a really good thing. Um, but I am originally from Northwest Missouri. I um I also know Lawrence Stroh really well, who was on the podcast earlier. Uh, and then also Christy Durfee. She mentioned her her as well quite a bit. I worked for Christy all through high school. Um, that's really who got me into into training horses and and wanting wanting to ride barrel horses and run barrels um and then when I turned 18 I moved to um southwest Oklahoma kind of not very far from where I'm at now and I spent a summer there working on a ranch um I it was a really great opportunity and I learned I learned a lot I got to work under AC he he's a really good hand he starts a lot of colts every year so I learned a lot about my horsemanship and and he helped me a ton with with my horsemanship and and starting colts so after that um to Stephenville Texas and I lived in Stephenville for two years um I went to Charlton State University and and um graduated with with my bachelor's in animal science and uh, and my equine science certificate as well. Um, and then af- after I lived in Stephenville for two years, I lived in Weatherford, um, Texas for almost two years where I, I worked for Ashley Schaefer and um, kind of started started riding for the public more and, and training, training barrel horses. So that's kind of a little bit of my backstory, but I got, I've, had the opportunity to to work under several um really notable trainers cow horse trainers cutting horse trainers and then and then Ashley Schaefer and I also also worked for Stevie Hillman for a little while she was great great to work for also so I've just been really really lucky to to work for some great people and and kind of get me to where I'm at now so yeah it sounds like you've definitely had a great lineup to kind of help you along the way that's cool. Tell us about your time with Christy. I've heard nothing but great things about her. I, I think I need to meet her and get ride with her. <laughs> yes, ma'am. No, Christy Durfee um, is, uh, she me, that's for sure. Um, I I don't really come from a horse family background. Um, my dad had a couple mules that, um, that he would take to Colorado to hunt every year. So that is actually what I grew up kind of riding. And that's oh, how fun. I got into horses. My neighbor gave me our first horse and um, we kind of started her and I ran barrels on her for fun, like at the play days. I mean, we never, I didn't ever, um, anything too serious younger. We kind of just, we did it for fun. Um, I showed horses. I had a I had a nice show horse that I that um I trained and so I think that 
I kind of, I started just kind of with the horsemanship background, um, more so than, than the rodeo background. Um, I started my first cult for the public when I was 14, um, just mainly because, um, my parents would always, uh, just kind of bring home little projects for me. So that's how I kind of got started. Um, started riding and training a little bit, but I, um, Christy lived about 15 minutes from me and, um, I knew that I knew that she rode barrel horses and I, um, had kind of gotten into it a little bit, but I really didn't know anything and I hadn't gotten into it seriously yet. So I just kind of would take my little, my show horses and play with them on the barrel. So I, um, I had actually originally intended to um, attend one of Christie's horsemanship and barrel clinics um, that I had, had saw the event on Facebook, but the event got canceled because of bad weather. So I ended up just messaging her and saying, you know, I, I was so nervous. I, I had never asked to go ride with anyone. I think I was like 15 or I think I was 15 and I, I messaged her and I was like, can I, can I come take a lesson? And, Oh, she, she let me, let me come take a lesson and pretty much the rest was history. I, <laughs> I, I didn't leave her alone for about four or five years. There. <laughs> so I, um, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time with Christy and she, she helped me so much with my horsemanship. She helped me to understand collection and feel and, and how to ride more with my body and my legs and instead of my hands. And, and then Christy started Colts there for a while and she helped me with some of that, but then, I mean, she really is who got me interested and, and started and wanting to, so I, I had my little, little project horses. They were like $100 horses that I, I was bound and determined to make barrel horses. And she kind of helped me, helped me with them. And, and they would, they were like, they'd run in like the 3D and 4 I thought that was like the greatest thing in the world <laughs> in high school. I it just, is I, though still. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So I, I thought that we were, we were doing really good. So I, you know, I, I really, um, that's who got me started. And, and like I said, I never had any really finished horses. So she kind of just had to teach me how to, um, oh how to train my own horse. So thankfully she was patient enough with me and to, to take that time to really teach someone who, who didn't really know a whole lot about running barrels anyway, how to, how to train their own barrel horse. So she, she really laid a super solid foundation for me. And I'm really thankful that to call her a friend and the time that I got to spend with her. That's cool. Morgan, you said that she's real big on um, horsemanship. It sounds like, can you tell us about kind of the biggest things for horsemanship I mean, just maybe a couple things that you think people could be working on to improve their horsemanship that's going to bleed over into the barrel pattern for them. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I I guess, I like I said, I've just been really lucky to ride with a lot of trainers that were really horsemanship-based. So I've had that kind of foundation drilled and, and instilled into me. And I truly feel like if if you're not strong in horsemanship, I don't think that there's any way it's going to be really hard to, um, to produce quality, quality horses, to produce and train quality horses that are going to let and have longevity as, 
as a even not just a barrel horse but I mean any performance horse I just think that that horsemanship is just such a solid foundation that that you should build build your horses and your program on because then when things start going haywire as you progress and and you're having problems with the horse and it's not going how you want it to as far as the barrel pattern goes you can just revert back to that horsemanship foundation that that you've placed your horses and your program on and you know how to fix it and that horse has all the tools there for you to fix it they're they're soft they're they um have you know they're connected throughout their body they they understand how to carry themselves i think that that's just all such all really important things that that any horse foundation needs to have before um before I believe they ever become a barrel horse. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm huge on, I ride my horses outside a lot. I, I take my horses outside at least once or if not twice a week, all of them. And, and they all, they go outside and they trot miles and, and they, they lope straight lines and on the correct lead. And I know that sounds kind of, kind of silly, but to me that, that is all part of the making of a really um a solid horse that that'll be good Definitely. for years not just for for a short period of time so i that's something that i recommend to to anyone that wants to have a salt i mean a solid horsemanship foundation is to go ride with with people have that same foundation and not even barrel horse trainers I I mean Ashley Schaefer is she she's phenomenal she she'll she'll tell you all day long that that horsemanship is is such a vital part of train of being successful training barrel horses and that's a huge I mean the foundation of her program and she's had a lot of a lot of success on a lot of different horses I think because of that um and then going to ride with with cow horse trainers who, who have great horsemanship, such as Ron Rawls. I mean, he, he offers those clinics and, and, um, absolutely they're, they're barrel, barrel racing clinics, but they're also just as much, much horsemanship, um, as anything. I, I listened to his podcast, um, Oh, he was on the down the fence podcast and, and he talked about how he does those barrel racing clinics and how, how much he has to teach horsemanship to barrel racers and instill that horsemanship and how really the drills that they're doing, yes, on the barrels at the clinic, but they're more, they're more actually for horsemanship than they even for are for, for barrel racing. If that makes, makes sense. So I, I think that's, that's a huge thing knowing that, that you can learn something about horsemanship from everyone or in, in, in anyone, not just, not just a barrel horse trainer, but cow horse trainer. Or, and I mean, if I, I always with, with Cassie Mowry, she has the, the dressage background and God, I mean, for them to, to be able to ask, to ask those horses to do what they do in dressage, they absolutely have to have amazing horsemanship. So I think that, Oh yeah. I think there, I think that, I think people who have really strong, strong backgrounds in horsemanship are really successful horse trainers. And I, um, that's just something 
something yeah. I really strive for in my program. Do you have, I'm just going to call it a checklist for lack of better terms, of what you want your colts or horses doing before you take them to the pattern and introduce that? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. No, I, I have a pretty good idea and feel of, of how I want how I want a colt to feel before I feel like they're ready to, to kind of start on the pattern a little bit. I, I ride most of them outside definitely before I start them on the barrels. I, I just like to expose them, not, I mean, and riding them outside to me really teaches them to, um, to move out and move forward. Like if I kind of have a lazier colt or, or something that move out, I feel like is is so good for them they get out of that drilling in that arena and it just allows them to move forward freely instead of feeling kind of confined to a space um and then also kind of vice versa to to that um if I have like a freer moving horse or something to kind of move out too much I I go outside too because I let them go out there and trot until they're they're kind of tired and decide that um that they don't necessarily want to be be as forward moving or try to run off. I mean, that's that's a huge thing to me before I start a colt on the pattern is I I really want to be able to set my hand down and trot and lope on a loose rein, like a relaxed relaxed loose rein. I don't want to have to constantly be holding the horse. Um, I think that's kind of what what makes a horse kind of dull and kind of numb um, and a little unreactive is that if you're constantly having to keep pressure on their, on their face, um, you, they never, they never get that release. So it's just a, that's a really vital thing that, that I feel like I want my horses to do before I start is to go outside and, and in the arena too, and to trot around and lope around on a loose rein. Um, that's something I do a lot. And then I really just need to have full body control. I want to be able to, um, use my, use my inside leg and soften their rib cage. Um, and then I also want to be able to use my inside leg and kind of kick that, um, kick that hip around a little bit, disengage the hindquarters. That's, that's something I do on, on everything. So I want to be able to control the hip and, and also the rib cage and then the shoulder. Um, I am huge on on having outside shoulder control with my outside leg and my outside rein. I do a bunch of rollbacks off the fence. I, I turn them around quite a bit. Um, I just really want to make sure that I bring that that um, that outside rein across their neck and I bring my hand across and I squeeze with that outside leg bringing that that shoulder across because to me I, that's the same that's the same um, I mean it's the same movement that you make when you're finishing the barrel on the backside too so to me that's so important for that horse to understand that when I say come here and, and bring my hand across and, and lay that outside leg on you you need to to bring your front end so I, I do a bunch of that um, I just do that by I roll them back off the fence and then like I do this little drill on all my colts before I start them on the barrels where I'll like trot them on a, on a loose rein. I just trot them and I just pick a random spot in the arena and I trot to it. And then I want to be able to sit and cut and go one handed and bring my hand across and then, and they just follow my hand. So, 
and then I'll like turn them around a couple steps until they're soft and, and bring in that front end. And then I just send them out forward to another spot in the arena. And I, I'll, I'll like alternate sides. Like I'll, I'll do it to the left and then I'll, I'll do it to the right or I'll do it to the right a couple times. I, that, but I, I really feel like if they can do that, then, then they know how to finish getting them to finish the backside of a barrel becomes, becomes pretty painless and pretty easy. Um, and another thing I do is I just try quite a few circles and figure eights as far as, and really use my inside leg to, um, make sure they're soft in the rib cage and they know how to how to trot um, and lope small circles being soft in the rib cage um, and staying fluid and forward and, and having that having that fluid forward motion I do quite a bit of those but I'm not a huge circle person I do a ton of straight lines um, I do I lope and I trot and lope a lot of straight lines and then I um do well Ashley Schaefer she calls it her kind of four corner drill um that's that's my (laughs) go-to if I if I can um have if a colt can kind of lope the four corner drill how how I want them to and and it's it's smooth and and fluid and forward it's kind of how I know I can start start loping all lefts and all rights a little bit but how that four corner drill works is you um you kind of it's kind of like loping a square and then loping smaller circles at the corners of your square if that makes sense like I um, mm-hmm. I'll lope straight and then I'll lope a, a small left-handed circle and and make them come stay collected and and really drive my hind end and drive them through that small circle and use my inside leg to soften to soften that rib cage and if I need to I use my outside leg to to keep them driving through that small circle and you lope the small circle and then you come out and make another straight line towards the next kind of square corner and then you lope the small circle I do that on all my horses colts finished horses that's that's kind of my go-to if they can lope a straight line and then lope a soft small circle correctly and then lope another straight line to me that's that's pretty much the barrel pattern so if they can if they can right do that. well it's funny I've heard several people mention Ashley's four uh, barrel drill not this point and I've kind of set a benchmark <laughs> for myself I'm I have a colt that I'm training on yes, my ma'am. own and yeah so that's gonna be my I'm gonna get that accomplished before we even go anywhere so I have one question when you're working in the arena and you're doing your uh, you bring them to that certain point and you're dragging them, not dragging them, but with your hand and your rein. When you're doing all this in the arena, are you still on your loose rein? Are you still, are you two hands on the reins asking them for a collection at this point? Um, When I do the, when I do like the four corner drill and that's just flat work. I don't do that with the barrel. I mean, it, you, it's, it's kind of oh, like, okay. it's kind of like doing the four corner or the four barrel drill, but it's without barrels, I guess, if that makes sense. Gotcha. But I, I, I love that drill. That's, that's what I do before, before I, so when I am doing the four corner drill, I am two handed. Um, I don't necessarily really keep my horses super, um, like overly collective. Like I don't, they don't have to have their head down and, and, and such. Um, I want them to be relaxed 
sauce, but I do want them to be soft. So if I do squeeze my legs and ask them to really drive up into the bridle, they can, but I don't just make them hold that form all the time. Um, I just want them to be soft and driving into the bridle and using, using their hind end and, and, um, lifting their back, squeeze my legs and lift their back and really, really Mm -hmm. drive them up underneath themselves. Um, but when I'm doing that, I am two handed, um, doing the four corner drill. That's, that's when they need to be able to, I need to be able to ride them up into my hands and, and have them be soft and, and, um, know how to, how to ride around collected. I do some of that, but I do feel like it's, equally as important for them to know that I can drop my hand on their neck and, and trot on a loose rein also. So I want to be able to do both, both on my Colts. Um, but when I do, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of like the little pivot shoulder drill that is on a loose rein. I want them to, I just brought them out on the loose rein and I want them when I sit down, I don't really even want to have to hardly, I guess, necessarily pick up my reins, but just bring my hand across and use that outside leg to, to bring that outside shoulder across. So that is on a loose rein, but no, my four corner drill, I kind of want them to be a little bit more and I'll drive them with my legs and and my seat and really, really drive their hind end up underneath them. So they're really reaching with that inside leg um, in those Mm -hmm. small circles. When you're getting one to where you can do that trotting on the loose rein and eventually loping on the loose rein, I'm assuming that's not always super pretty. So what's that like? I mean, do you have some where you just drop your hand and you just got to let them get, you know, work on it every day and they can move their head around and bring it up until they just relax and get used to it? Yes. So um, it's, it's a little tough, especially on kind of older horses I get that I don't think they've never really been strain very much um they're often my kind of toughest one tend to pick up on it really fast um especially the colts that i start i i start them on a really loose strain i don't really ever ask them to collect until until about 30 rides honestly um but the colts that um don't have a ton of riding really fast it's actually my older horses that that I think um, have kind of been held a little bit that, that I struggle with the most. And it always gets worse before it gets better. I always think about that. <laughs> I can't remember who told me this. I think it might've been Ashley, but she, she always told me, you know, horse training. If, if, time, if it was pretty all the time, then you probably aren't making any progress. So I always try to try to keep that in mind um, whenever I feel like, things are a little, little rough on a horse. Um, but what I do, um, with, with those type horses is I like to take them outside and I just let them, I let them trot. Um, and I just put my, and I just put my hand down and, and let them trot. And as soon as they try to break into a lope, what I do is I just basically sing the drill I do in the arena. I sit down with my body and I just bring my hand across and I keep them, um, Oh, I keep, I bring that outside shoulder across until they're soft through their rib cage and, and bring in that outside shoulder softly. They're soft in their face. I want it to be soft. I make them stay, stay there until they soften up. And if we, if that means we have to go around in a, in a turnaround two times for them to soften up, if, if, if they take the first couple steps soft, then I, um, I push them out forward again, but 
if if it takes a couple times, then I just hold my hands steady and use my legs and body and just up. Um, but that's that's what I'll do. And then I'll send them back out at a trot. And as soon as they try to break into a lope, I do the same exact thing. And I'll, like, switch ways. And it doesn't take um, – and I always just use one. I try to just – I use one hand um, when I do that. But I – it normally – takes them a little bit to figure it out but once once they do figure it out they 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 figure it out pretty good break break into a lope really anymore um some horses it takes me a couple days some older horses it, it takes me a couple weeks I did that so much on um I had a horse named out of clear blue in training um his little bar name was Leroy but he was very forward moving <laughs> Um, and he, and he still is, but I, when I, um, when I first got him in training, he was super forward moving and a little bit of a nervous type horse. And he didn't want to trot a loose rein at all. A lot of that with him just in the pasture. Like I said, I would just send him out on a loose rein. And as soon as he would break into a lope, I'd hold him accountable for it. And I would bring him into that and kind of roll him back and, bring him into that tight circle and when he softened up I'll send him back out but I think I mean I guess one of the main reasons why I'm so big on that and why I'm so big on on um making or making sure they can trot or travel on a loose terrain is is I just I think that accountable that that if I ask you to try mm-hmm. I I want you to try it without me having to have the death grip on the race for you to not break it. Yeah, it makes it their responsibility. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think they're in yeah. training horses. There's there's that that fine line. I mean, I want that horse to to be able to hold it itself. I mean, I want to hold it accountable for for its actions. So if I'm asking you you go into a lope, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of it. I'm not going to pull on your face a bunch or or back you up or get mad. I'm just going to bring you into this this tight little, little turnaround and then off again and, and, um, see things from it. So that's kind of, um, my, the gal that helps me, Cheyenne, she, um, has been doing that this past week with, with her horses and cause this kind of going through the same thing. They were fresh and they were really pulling on her. And so we got in the arena and I just told her, I said, just put them on a loose rein and, and try that. And it, she the first day you know she she had to do it quite a bit the second day she only had to do it she only had to break him down into that turnaround like one time and then the next day she didn't have to break him into the turnaround at all they were just out there trotting on a loose rein so I I I don't know I I learned that um from a cow horse trainer that's who that's who taught me taught me how to do that and it's been kind of a game changer for for training my horses and and um, it's just something that I do on on all my horses before before I start them on the barrels, and I I do it all through all through their training. I just want I want to be able to hold them hold them accountable for that. So yeah, I really like that. I'm definitely gonna adopt that because that's exactly the kind of issue that I've been having and trying to find the solution for. Yeah, I do have one question. So when you do go into your turnaround, just to clarify. So let's say they take two steps and then you're like, okay, you softened up for me. Would you continue the same direction you were going or would you make them go all the way around? I kind of mix it up. Like I, um, I, if I'm like trotting in the pasture and I'm going in a straight line, 
um, just turn clear around. And then I'll kind of, and a lot of times when I turn them around too, I'll back them up before I send them back off. I do that a lot on a really forward horse. Mm -hmm. So I'll turn them around and then I'll, I'll back them up and then I'll send them back off. Um, but like in the arena, yeah, I just, I just, as soon as they kind of, they soften up and they take that step back and they're soft through the rib cage and, and bringing that outside shoulder across, I, um, I'll send them off just kind of wherever, like I'll kind of just go as soon as they take those steps. Um, I'll just kind of go off in a random direction. I, I, it's not really a uniform deal where you have to do a full circle or, or a 90 degree turn or, or a 45. I just, I just kind of fit it to, to that horse at, at that moment. And what I think they are, where the release is really, because when they, when they soften up and take that step back with that, with that inside foot and, and bring their shoulder across I want to give them that release and, and send them back out and let them know mm-hmm. that 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 was the right thing to do so then I release them by by going forward again yeah and I'm assuming for those listeners who might want to do this um if you got that older horse that's more difficult in my mind this is probably just yes, as ma'am. effective when you're doing oh, a walk and a trot. It, yeah it really I do it on older horses at at pretty much all I mainly just do it at a trot to a lope because most of the time if it that's for me and then I kind of get to where I can lope them on a loose rein and and walk them on a loose rein but I've I've kind of the trot to the the, the trotting on a loose rein seems to be seems to be kind of where I found where they want to lope off and and go more, more forward but no it, it absolutely worked really well on open horses I I do it on, on all of them, especially if they're fresh, like you get them in the arena and they're fresh and they're just trying to act like fools and run off or kind of buck a little bit. I'll just put my hand down and trot them off. And as soon as they start trying to act silly and, and break into a lope, instead of pulling on them and getting into a big pulling match, basically, and kind of numbing them up and stuff, I, I just do that little, that little drill and it keeps them real soft and and in the face and responsive and reactive. So, I'm going to pull up, since we're talking training questions right now, I'm going to pull up those Facebook Perfect. questions. Yes, ma'am. Had, if that's okay with you. So we don't lose track of our train of thought here. Okay. Melinda Lee asks, what do you look for in young horses? Confirmation, personality. Um, she also asked what some of your favorite drills. We touched on that, but you answer that how you want. She also says kind of a favorite exercise to keep them moving and continue to work properly. She kind of touched on that too. So I'll let you answer that. Okay. Um, so kind of what I look for in, in a younger horse, um, absolutely. I want them to be bred good. I, um, I, I really kind of have wrote enough of different bloodlines to kind of know what, what I like a little bit more than others. So to me that, that that plays a huge part in what what I look for in a prospect. Um, but I, as far as bloodlines go, I really look for something that that's super super strong on the maternal side. That's that's just huge to me. I I really want them to be strong on the maternal side. I want them proven or or produced or have maybe rode some other horses out of that mare that I really liked. Um, I just think that. The maternal side's just as important, if not a little bit more, than 
than the paternal side. So that's, that's huge to me. I look at that a lot. Um, and then I want something that, um, oh, I really want them to be balanced. I want them to be balanced through, throughout their body, um, and have a long, a long underline and a short back, um, and be strong through their hindquarters. Um, I think having, having is it's really important because that's what that's really what I want them to use when running barrels um, and something that has has a soft a soft kind eye and, and really I just really want my colts to be pretty pretty willing I mean that's that's huge to me if they're if they're willing to be good then then I think you you have a lot easier time making them making them great I've always I've always thought that um you know, you can make a, a less talented horse um, if if they're if they're willing to please and and they want to be good and they have a lot of try. That's that's huge to me, Ashley. She always told me that you 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 want to try to make a good horse great, a great horse phenomenal, and an average horse good. So to me that, but she right along with always told me that. Sometimes the average horse guarding talent, um, but that has a really good mind and has a ton of try and wants to be wants to be really good will be nicer than your really talented horse that doesn't necessarily have a lot of try or is not good minded or is not very willing. So I've I've always kept that in mind. I just really want something that that wants to be good and has a lot of try. That's that's really important to me. Papers are, are important and confirmation is important, but I, that, that try factor is something that, something that you can't really train into one. So I really want them to, to have that naturally. Yeah, for sure. Morgan, in your experience, have you ever had a horse that's just kind of, I mean, I know there's ones who don't really want to love and petting on them, but the ones that don't want to be caught don't really care for you, but then you get them out and everything's fine. Have you ever worked with one of those? Absolutely. I actually really kind of, um, it, it sounds a little contradictory, but I really like those Colts. I actually think the ones that you have to watch the most are the ones that are really overly friendly and really overly kind of in your pocket and almost kind of a pet pet like mm-hmm. um, horses I don't tend to like those I almost want that one that's that's a little bit more standoffish or is really sensitive to me those horses are really reactive and um, are a lot more sensitive and I've found a lot of times have a lot more try um, I bought several yearlings and two-year-olds that we ran on the trailer that had never had never been caught or really even touched and and I I really I three-year-old for this year um 007 he um I bought him as a yearling and we ran him on the trailer and it took me like two weeks to catch him I had to rope him and uh, the whole nine yards but he I mean he's turned out (laughs) to be be a really nice colt so I don't really necessarily let let that deter me honestly I I a bit more like that as far as um I guess personality goes than something that's just trying to kind of be in my pocket a little bit more yeah be your friend yeah yeah and that gets dangerous when a horse thinks oh, that they're more like a dog. I I completely yeah. agree so. but as far as kind of bloodlines go when I'm looking for colts I 
I really like the dash to fames. Um, I have a own son right now, a three-year-old, and I think he's he's pretty phenomenal. Enjoyed him so far. Um, I really like the dash to fames. I really like the Astriga flings. Um, actually, Melinda, the, who asked the question, she has a um, a three-year-old Astriga fling gilding and training with me, and and he's he's a really nice. He's he's a really talented athlete, and I really like the Astriga flings. Um, they're not for everyone. Not a lot of people. Some people don't like them at all. Um, but I, I really like them. I think that if you can, if you can teach them how to do it, and then, and um, they'll go out there and and try really hard for you. And I think it's just more of a more of a training. They're they're a little different to train. I wrote a lot of a streak of flings at Ashley's, and and she gets along with them really because she kind of trains them to to turn the barrels themselves without her having to help her. Um, and that's kind of a little bit more my style too, is I kind of just want to run up there and set my hand down and let them work. And if, if you kind of train, mm-hmm. you play, that's how they'll, that's how they'll work. So I, that kind of fit my style too. So I really like them and I, um, I love my, my cow bread cutting, cutting bread type horses. I, I have a, um, um, son of Metallica in training out of a plain stylish real quick dash mare. Um, I absolutely adore him. He's, he's pretty incredible. Um, and then I have a uh, plain stylish out of a own daughter Stoli that I really, really like super nice mare for next year. She's four. She'll run as a five-year-old next year. Um, and then I've got a bet. He's a cat out of a first down dash mare. So I, I have a lot of, um, cow run crosses but most of them are um, cow on the top and um, running um, it'll be a running bread mare on the bottom and I really really love that cross I, I've loved pretty much pretty much so that's kind of what I lean to and that and the kind of I like so that's kind of what I look for but um, I, I I just really like those type of horses they're they're cool and really trainable and to have really neat styles so yeah Morgan is there I like to ask this question I don't know if anyone else enjoys it but I do is there any quirk that you won't tolerate in your barn out of the oh <laughs> well I've ran across a lot over the you know I know um, I really <laughs> if they buck a little bit it it doesn't like if they get fresh and buck or kind of anything like that, I don't really care about that. That doesn't really bother me. Um, I think my biggest thing that I don't like to disrespect. Um, I really don't like a disrespectful horse on the ground. I'm huge about respect on the ground. I don't, I, I think they need to be respectful mm-hmm. on the ground at all times. Um, or they're not going to respect you in the south. Um, so that's, kind of something that I I guess I just don't absolutely love in a horse is if they're disrespectful and they have a bad attitude I really am not a huge fan of horses with um with bad attitudes ones that kind of want to be kind of nasty just just because they don't want to do it or something like that that's something Mm -hmm. that that I don't love um but I'll pretty much tolerate anything if the horse is good enough (laughs) so it kind of I guess it just depends on the individual, but if I, if I know the horse is talented yeah. enough and, and good enough and they're 
said, I'll pretty much put up with anything, but those are kind of two things that I don't absolutely love to see in a horse. Yeah. All right. So Taylor Martin, the move on with the Facebook questions, asked, what is a week like with your younger colts learning the pattern? How do you like to keep their minds calm? Um, especially, or how do you keep soundness, especially hawk stifles, um, and how to help them change leads? So just kind of uh, a little run through about what you like to do um, with your younger so colts. So I will, um, I ride my horses, the younger colts, probably um, four to five times a week. I don't ride them every single day. Um, I think that they need to have a day in between two or three rides to not just mentally, but physically. Um, I, and if they get a little muscle sore, a lot of times, you know, I give them a day to, to, um, just relax and rest. And a lot of times they come back a lot better after that day off feeling mentally and physically rested. Um, that's something that I do. Like I do a lot of riding on and then I'll give them a day off. Um, and then I'll ride another two days on and give them a day off. That's kind of the, a little rotation that I, I kind of try to follow through my horses. Um, but like I said, I ride them outside probably at least once a week and I'll just ride them outside. But I mean, they get rode. It's, I guess it's not just really a joy ride through the pasture. I mean, they, they, they get worked and exercised and rode when I take them outside too. Um, but I, I really like to do that for, to help their minds mainly. I just want, I want to try to produce a horse that that's sound-minded and is a nice individual to be around and to ride for years on. Um, so I'll ride them outside once a week. And then a lot of times um, I'll ride them in the arena without doing anything with the barrels once a week. Like I'll probably do that four corner drill or, or I'll do some rollbacks off the fence. And then I'll also do, you know, where I, um, drop my hand and ask them to bring the outside shoulder. I kind of like to do, do a day of just working them dry work in the arena. Um, keep them, keep them sharp and, and keep them really broke and make sure everything I have full body control and everything feels how I want them to. And then, um, just kind of depends on the horse, but I don't really work my horses more than two or three times on the pattern a week. Um, I don't want to burn them out and, and I am sure don't want, don't, um, I just I'm huge on that. I want to keep them, keep them fresh minded. So I, um, I try to, I try to just work them on the barrels two to three times a week. Um, and as far as like drills go, I, I kind of will go by the week. Like I'll, I'll just kind of, yeah. So I'll kind of do like the drill pattern for a week. Um, and I'll, I really don't do, I'm not a huge driller. <laughs> I really a ton of those kind of drills um but when I do if I feel like my horses need to just get away from the pattern but still work the barrel that's kind of what I'll do I mainly just really work them on the barrel pattern this past week I kind of felt like my colts needed a break from the actual pattern so I set up the three barrel drill in the straight line and I've been doing Sue Smith's um three barrel drill all week I did that all last week on them so um I'll kind of do kind of things like I'll I'll do those for a week um and then I'll kind of switch back to the barrel pattern and then I might go and do four barrel drill for a week or then I'll switch back to the pattern and then so that's kind of what 
I do there. I do lope a lot of continuous barrels, like all lefts mm-hmm. and all rights. I just leave my pattern set up as it is and, you know, three barrels, but like I'll just lope all left circles or, or lope all right circles. Or I really like to do that. Um, that's something that, that I do a lot, not just on my, my finished for my colts that I'm starting, um, but also my finished horses. Um, I think it keeps them sharp and correct and really helps. It really kind of, it'll kind of tell on you, like if your horse is starting their turns too early or if they're kind of stiffening up a little bit here on the backside or it kind of tells on you a little bit. So then it allows me to know what I, what I kind of need to work on um, as far as that goes. And it allows me to kind of, if I need to take a horse by the barrel or if I need to, um, you know, fix, fix something here and there or tune up, I'll kind of do it, do it there um, and work on it there. So it's not necessarily on the pattern, but still. Right. Well, still not to work. knock anyone else who, who loves to drill the horses, but I think, when you have someone's program that's so horsemanship based and so based on just having a broke horse, the pattern doesn't need as many drills and, and stuff involved. Probably. Yes, ma'am. I'm really probably, a, I'm pretty simple when it comes to the actual barrel pattern itself. Like yeah. I, Not very entertaining. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm pretty, I kind of no. brought them up there and yeah, a couple circles around it and make sure they're soft and I mean, I just want them to, to ride off my body when I sit down. I want them to, to rate and collect. And yeah. And when I bring my hand across, I want them to bring that outside shoulder. And when I lay my inside leg on them, I want them to soften their rib cage. Um, and as long as they're keeping fluid forward motion and doing that, then I don't really do anything extra. Um, but I do, I do that at a walk, a trot, a lope. Um, and then if I have a horse that's kind of trying to, maybe short me a little bit going to a barrel I'll I'll take them by the barrel a couple times or I'll take them by and then kind of do a little counter arc into figure eight and then take them back to the barrel um that's kind of seen Ryan Padone do that a lot in the warm-up pin at futurities and then I kind of started doing it and it I really like doing that on horses that get a little short short going to the barrels um but that's kind of what what I'll do with with my colts um if i feel like something needs breezed then i breeze them especially my futurity horses i'm running right now i'll i'll breeze them once or week or once every two weeks if i feel like they need it or i'll breeze them before a futurity if i think they need need to get freed up and opened up a little bit before before the futurity but um i kind of like to do that stuff and then i took i took two or three horses to a brandon last um, I took, I took two horses to a Brandon last, um, last week and they sorted calves and, and pull and do that and keep them, give them another job. I, I'm just really big on that. So that's kind of, kind of what I do with them. But as far as starting Colts on the pattern, um, you know, I do the four corner drill and then I, and then I start trotting the continuous barrels, like all lefts and all rights. And then I'll lope the continuous barrels a couple days, like all lefts and all rights. And, and then after they can do that and, and stay moving forward and through the turns and, and lope the straight lines to the barrels and they're staying soft and correct, I'll, I'll introduce them to the barrel pattern. Yeah. Lauren, do you do a lot of groundwork with your horses? Are you a big, are you a believer in that? 
you know, <laughs> that's kind of maybe somewhere that I, I um, am not a huge groundwork person. I kind of just do what I have to, and then I get, mm-hmm. um, I'm a little impatient. And if I feel like they're ready and they're responsive and I've got, I've got control of their mind, they're listening to me and there's a, their attention is on me. I get on my colts pretty fast. Like most days, most colts I can get on the first day or the second day. And if not the third day, um, I, I don't really necessarily love to do, um, I think it's great for them, but it's mostly just, um, oh, just time-wise groundwork takes, yeah, takes a lot of time. And with as many horses as I have to ride, I don't always have, I guess, an hour, hour and a half to spend, spend on one colt. And a lot of times I'm on deadlines to start mm-hmm. colts for bulls. So I, I try to as long as I know that they're ready mentally. And like I said, I have, I have their attention and their response. I mean, as long as they're soft and I mean, I have certain things I do with every single cult before, before I get on them. And as long as they can do that in whatever time frame it takes them, then I guess as soon as they can do all that, then I'll go ahead and get on them. And whether that takes them the first day or whether it takes them, some cults, it does take two weeks. If they're just, you know, if that, individual's timeline then I'll go ahead and and get on them but I I do keep my horses really respectful on the ground um like I was saying earlier I don't tolerate hardly anything as far as that goes and my horses stand tied a lot I mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in the in in patience and standing tied and so they get a lot of that yeah well, Morgan, we're coming up on our hour. Do you mind if I disconnect and we hop back on and you can tell us a little bit about uh, just kind of how you like to keep your horses comfortable? Do you have time for that? Little therapies if you have any sponsors? Yes, okay, ma'am. Awesome. That sounds I'll good. I'll a new link in just one moment. Yep. One second. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> hey there. Sorry. I'm sure people are like, wow, this girl does stop talking no Morgan this is great I have learned there's so many things that you just said that are things that I want to do on my cult but it's like I just don't know how to accomplish them I kind of have an idea but I mean I'm serious I'm gonna get started on it this week and you're gonna have videos from me I'm like here's the before and here's the after of Morgan's advice but um no it's great I'm glad to hear that with the audio issues that I have it's that's kind of why I've been pretty quiet well one People are here to listen to the guests. They don't want to hear me talk. So I've been, I try and be as quiet as possible. I don't know. I think you're great. No. Well, I've got as much time as you have, but I really, yeah, I called this the equine wellness pod because I thought we'd talk about how we like to keep our horses sound and comfortable, but really, it's really revolved into something different. But tell us kind of your theories and methods on soundness and wellness and, and the kinds of things that you like to do. With that many horses in a barn, you're probably doing things that you know work because it's the money and the time. So in your experience, what are those things for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I learned about this part of it from Ashley. Um, she, you know, growing up, we, we didn't really like get our horses injected or we didn't, we just didn't know better. I mean, you know, we kind of, we just were like, yeah, they'll be okay. But I, when I started doing it more on a, on a serious level, when I got into high school and then into college and, and so on, I've, I've learned a lot throughout the years. And then also getting that, 
getting um, a degree in, in animal science and equine science, really, I learned a lot there too. I guess I really did learn. I took an equine nutrition class. I took an equine reproduction class. Um, so I, I learned a lot there about that kind of stuff that I really had no idea about. Um, and a lot of it I really implemented into my program today. Um, probably um, the biggest thing I'm really huge about, um, like I don't have stalls. I have runs. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't have box stalls. I really don't like box stalls at all. Um, I think it just confines them too much mentally and physically. So all my horses are kind of in bigger pens. Um, they're all outside. I I have some with shelters, but then I have some that, that don't have shelters. So we kind of just, I guess we kind of let them be a horse maybe a little bit more than a lot of people do. Um, I keep my studs next to gildings at all times. I don't, I don't keep my studs by themselves. Um, they're, they're next to gildings. So I kind of just expect, expect that from them. Um, but I, a huge part of my program is I feed um, Free Choice Coastal. They always have Coastal in front of them 24-7 in my Hay Chicks Nets. I huge shout out to Hay Chicks. They're, they're absolutely amazing. And they're the best Hay Nets I've ever used and are really a vital part of my program. I, every single horse has a, a Hay Chicks Net full of, of um, Coastal Hay in front of them at all times. And I don't, I don't let them get empty. So to me, that's that's huge. I don't feel like I have a lot of problems with ulcers or, or, you know, really, really crabby horses for, for that matter, because of ulcers or unhappy horses, because I'm constantly, I mean, they're, they constantly have that forage and that, that acidic buffer in front of them for their stomach 24 seven with the coastal hay. So that's a huge part. Um, I feed alfalfa pro. Um, it's just like a complete alfalfa pellet. Um, that's all, that's all I feed. I just feed that morning and night. So it's pretty, I try, I mean, I, I try to kind of keep a more of a all natural, I guess, type of program. Mm-hmm. I don't feed grain. That's, that's all I feed and I'll adjust it per horse. And if my, my, um, easier keepers, I only feed like four, then feed eight quarts twice a day. So, um, I kind of just adjust it per horse, but I really like that. Um, I feed MVP, I love the MVP supplement products. They're absolutely amazing. I like the NSYNC, the Airway, and the Exceed 6 way. That's what, and then I, I kind of just feed that to the horses I'm running, um, but just I kind of pertain it to each horse as an individual, kind of they're based it off their needs. Um, but Exceed's a really good supplement just for all, you know, it, it covers pretty much everything. It's a complete supplement. So I'll give that to the horses that don't necessarily have individual special needs. Um, I think I'm going to have to get on the MVP train from the sounds of it. <laughs> you will um, love I it. I had Shelby McCamey on and she had nothing but great things. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking into that. For it's sure. a great, they're a great company and they support so many barrel races and so does Haychex. And that's huge to me. I try to, yeah, support. I have a Haychex net that I love too. Yes. I try to support companies that support us. So I'm really big mm-hmm. on that. Um, and I use yeah. silver lining herbs. I love silver lining herbs. I, anything that's hauling gets the immune support. I use their power dust. I use their in, infect INFX, um, and then I also use their laminate support. I really love, love silver lining herbs. I'm a huge, huge believer in those. So that's kind of what I do as far as nutritional health. Um, 
and wellness, but as far as the pins go, they're in bigger pins, runs, but they, they get, if they don't get rode that day, they get turned out. I turn, I turn everything out um, that doesn't, doesn't get rode that day. I'm huge on the turnout. I really think they, they just need time to be, to be horses. Um, So, and then um, I think having a great vet is vital to your success. I honestly think that's probably one of the most important things besides, besides the horse itself is having, yeah. having a great vet. I have probably, I'm a little biased and partial, but um, I think I have the greatest vet in the world. Um, I, I use Dr. High at Riata Equine Hospital and Dr. Um, Sutherland there also. They are amazing. Um They've, they've helped me with, with so many of my horses and I truly feel like one of the, the biggest roles in keeping my horses successful, um, in the arena because they, they keep them sound and feeling the best of their ability. I probably take my horses to the vet a lot more than, than some people do. Um, but I, I kind of want to get to the, get to the problem before it becomes a problem and, and it affects the horse's performance and, and um, make, maybe creates a bad habit. I've, I've seen that happen. So I, I try to, um, I take them probably at least every three months just for a lameness exam, whether I really feel like anything's super off or not, I'll go ahead and take them and just have them, have them trot them. And sometimes they're, they're like, they look great. No worries. Keep going on them. And then sometimes they're like, oh, we need to do this or we need to do that or they need a, they need a break. Um, so I, I'm really big on that before any major futurity, I'll try to take them. And then if not, if I can't on them in every kind of two to three months, they'll go. Um, I think a great barrier is another really vital part in keeping your horses successful and sound. Um, Pete may choose some of my horses. Um, he shoes um, my futurity horses and, and also mine. Um, he does a really amazing job. Pete, Pete's an awesome guy and a great farrier. And then I also use Cody Evans for, for some of my other horses here at the house. And he, he does a great job too. So having great farriers in your corner is, is extremely important. Someone that you can trust and does a good job and, and really um, kind of pays attention to your, your horse's individual needs as far as their feet goes. I mean, I, I kind of follow the whole no foot, no horse. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's something that um, I'm big on. And then, like, I love being able to give my horses breaks. Um, after the Elite Futurity in March, when we found out that everything was going to be canceled here for a while, I sent um, three of my horses home for, for breaks. And they've been home just turned out being horses for the last month and a half. Um, I'm about to get them back up and I'll get them in. Um, entered at the ruby buckle that I'm about to get back and start getting her in shape for that. But I just am huge on giving these horses breaks whenever we can. Um, I just think it, it really helps them mentally and helps them rest physically. And I, I really feel like they come back stronger if you can, if you can give them a break after they've been in training for a um, And then as far as, I guess, therapies go and stuff, I am a huge believer spa um the i use that a lot um andrea eisenhower has the cold water spot most of the future my horses 
run, post run, kind of just as needed, whatever I kind of feel like they need and, and also based on the individual's needs. Um, but I, I'm a huge believer in that. I really think that it helps take out any inflammation and in, in their legs and keeps everything really tight. And, and, um, if you have a horse that stocks up in stalls or whatnot, it just, it just really helps, um, keep all of that, all of their limbs and legs and feet feeling really good. So my horses get normally get in that at least a couple times a week at a week long show. Um, and then she'll also magna wave them too. I like to, I really like to use the magna wave on my horses. They get muscle and body sore, especially if they get sore through, through their back or SIs or, Mm. or such. I'll magna wave them too. So those are, those are kind of some things that, that I do um, as far as, I guess, therapy goes. I use back on track and I use PHT. I really like PHT. Um, so those are, I don't really go overboard with it. I kind of only use it when hauling. And then if I have a horse that has some particular needs as an individual, I'll kind of use it. I, I guess I don't, I don't go, but I just kind of use it use it as needed yeah Morgan would you mind um with your education that you have would you mind kind of elaborating on on why you choose to be grain free or is that a okay safe subject <laughs> yeah that's fine um I mean I guess I as far as I'm not um you know super I'm not really super against feeding grain honestly um I just really think that Oh, the, the alfalfa pellets are a little of a natural, um, I guess, approach to feeding a horse with the coastal hay. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't had like hardly anything tie up on, on the alfalfa pellets. Um, they're pretty low in starch. I think that's something that scares me a little bit with grain is, is, um, being so high in starch. Um, so that's kind of somewhere with grain that I don't necessarily, love is you'll kind of have some horses tie up on it and such. And I do have some um, horses that are a little prone to tying up and I've kind of Mm -hmm. been able to keep them. I mean, I really haven't had any issues with tying up from feeding what, what I feed. Um, so I really liked that. And then I also, I I like it because, um, Oh, I, I get a little bit and I mean, this is just based off of kind of what I've heard and talked about from, from other trainers, but I get kind of leery of the soy and grain and such. So um, I'm sure that the alfalfa pellets have some soy in them too, maybe, but I, I just really like the alfalfa pellets. They're a more all natural approach and they might not have as many additives yes, and such like extra stuff that, that you kind of don't necessarily need. I feel like, they're they're simple. That's why I like them. I mean, they're simple. They have what, what my horses need. And, and I feel like my horses are, look, they're, I mean, they're, they're fat. <laughs> they're super yeah. healthy and we don't have any trouble keeping weight on anything with what, what we feed. And I really don't feel like I have a lot of problems with, with ulcers or anything like that. So I, I don't know. That's really why I like, I like to, to feed that. I fed Estrella before I before I moved out here and I couldn't really get a strell out here. So I um, switched to switch to the alfalfa pro and I, I really liked it. It was pretty similar, mainly everything. 
was pretty much can you same. see the pellets directly or do you have to wet them down oh no you just you just dump you just them dump in there them in. yes ma'am they're not um they're not absolutely tiny so they're not like a little pellet but they're not a cube they're kind of just a a pretty good size pellet but I don't hardly have anything that refuses to to eat them or and I mean it it's not hard to transition horses on and off of them either that's kind of something I really I have horses coming and going and they they're all being fed different things that at their own mm-hmm. normally they transition to this really well I don't hardly ever have a problem with with them and I call it either I'm not really sure if that's that's because of why but I I typically don't have a ton of horses colic so I really I've been really happy with happy with the program you better knock on some wood real quick. <laughs> I just did <laughs> I know seriously I I have had a couple um past I had a couple colic um last year or I guess it might have been early this winter but I was feeding something different there for a while and then it was like when I switched back to this I didn't have any more problems with that so I don't know if that was coincidental or or whatnot but I really like it yeah yeah well Morgan if you've got time I also I'm interested what kind of do you use any type of equipment like what kind of bits are you usually working with yes ma'am um I know it's an individual to the horse is there anything that you just really want to dote on like a piece of equipment or bit that you couldn't live without for sure um well I'm not a big I really don't use a lot of tie downs or bonnets unless I really absolutely have to I kind of prefer I kind of I just don't really like how they feel I kind of steer away from those for the most part um if I need to use one on a horse when I run them I will but I don't really train in them I guess at all um but I really um I have a lot of bits. I really like bits, but I, I kind of have the, the main ones that I use. Um, I don't ride in a snaffle very long after I start a colt or after I get a colt back from having 30 or 60 days from, from their owner or whatnot. Um, I snaffle enough to and then I um try to switch them over pretty fast I just don't love the feel of a snapple um I will normally try to put them into a junior cow horse or just a tiny like little little three-piece lifter bit um I tend to gravitate more towards three-piece bits I, I kind of like how they feel a little bit more I have some t- um I kind of find myself riding in in the three-piece bits a little bit more um I really like a three-piece junior I've got one with a with a roller and it's copper wrapped um JD bits made it and I absolutely love that it's a junior cow horse um and then I also have that little three I think it's probably a three inch lifter it's got a little bit of gag with a Dr. Bristol mouthpiece it's copper wrap three piece and I absolutely love it too um those are bits I kind of ride on like two and and early three-year-olds that that are still kind of green yet um when I start them on the pattern um as far as my bits that I use kind of on my my paturity horses or my little open horses um, that that are a little bit more of a bit that I really like. I love the Carrie Kelly Hemi with the square twist donut. I think me and everybody else loves that bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to oh, have to yeah. get one. It, it's a must-have. I mean, I, I can pretty much almost put that on anything, and, and I love how it feels. Um, I, I really like that bit. I, I also really like the ticket bit for younger horses. I rode my two and kind of coming three-year-olds and 
spot too. It's the three piece bumpy mouthpiece um, from yeah. Carrie Kelly. And then I really like the Carrie Kelly bogey. Um, it's a square mullen. I love that bit too. If I have something that that's really noodly or feels kind of disconnected or whatnot, I'll ride them a little bit or run them in that that square mullen. The square has a little bit of bite to it, so it has a really a really nice feel. Um, and then I have a Troy Flay Hardy banana gag with the chain mouthpiece, and that. That's one of my favorite bits um, in my collection. I That's kind of my go-to training bit on an older horse, especially something that wants to be a little stiffer. The chain mouthpiece has a lot of flexibility, and, and they won't lean on it, and it really allows you to to get that um, oh, vertical vertical flexion um, and lateral, too, with the gag. So I, I really like the banana gag. I ride my older horses in it a lot, um, and then I've got a – I've got a three-piece with a cricket twisted Dave Elliott. Um, it's a Sue Smith collection. I just got it, but I really, really like it on some of my horses. Um, it's it's got a, quite a bit of gag, um, but I really like it. I feel like those horses that don't necessarily love the the direct reaction of kind of a fixed bit like like that gag a little bit more. Um, so mm. I really like. Well, if you like a square mouth and you like a gag, you'll have to try the Curry Pelly um, glider. Have you, have you no, had your I haven't. Yet? I really like it, and I prefer to ride in a square mouth. Like, I have the square mouth Flaherty yes, snapple, ma'am. and that's just, yes. like, my yes. my tool for my humans, because I can, I can get the reaction Absolutely. that I want, but, you know, you don't have to do Absolutely. much, but... But yeah, then I have it in the glider, the Terry Kelly glider. I'll have to my, try it. And um, what mouthpiece is it again? This I like the square mouth, but you can okay. get them in any of them. I think they even do the bumpy too, if you like cool. the bumpy. Okay, no, that I'll have to try one of those. I actually, I know several people that have that that shank and and really like it. Um, but those are kind of my my go to bits. And then I've got a um, Troy Floyd Hardy. Um, Oh, heck. What? Oh, the Duke. I really like. That's what I ran. I ran Leroy out of clear blue in um, the Duke, just the regular twisted. And then probably the bit that I run the most horses in is the Neil Merrill. <laughs> that is that is my go to. It's a Neil Merrill short shank um, twisted dog bone. And I I, I love that bit. I ride babies in it. I ride two-year-olds in it. I ride three-year-olds in it. I, I run some of my open horses in it. It just, it just has a really, Ashley introduced me to that bit. It just has a really good feel and, and really fits my hands. It, it's not a lot of bit, but most of the horses that I run are, are pretty push style and pretty ratey. So it works. It works really yeah, there's definitely two sides to yes. the coin. Like, yeah, it depends on the horse, but sometimes we just have things that just absolutely. No, I love that. My dream is to get Danielle on here. So if anyone <laughs> knows Danielle, <laughs> tell her I would probably empty my savings <laughs> account to pay her to come on and just talk about her Terry Kelly line with us and give some tips because it seems like it's been pretty game changing for a lot of people. Yes. What she's put no. out there. So, oh, absolutely. I would absolutely love to hear her do a podcast talking <laughs> about all the different types of bits yeah. and, and their purpose and their use and which ones she prefers on what horses. I think that would be super informational. Yeah. You don't have to talk horses with us if you don't want to, Danielle. Just come <laughs> talk about the bits. <laughs> That's too so. funny. 
Well, Morgan, I've kept you long enough, and I can't you enough. We'll have to do this again sometime, hopefully when I have my audio issues worked out. I apologize oh, about no. that, guys. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me. I um, I can't tell you thank you enough. I guess I, I probably ought to give a quick shout-out to um, to Hey Chicks for, for everything they do for me and my program, and then the rest of Ranch and, and DF Custom Leather have have had my back since the beginning and give me some great clothes and boots and belts to wear and such at the futurity. So I wanted to give a, I give a big shout out to them. Um, but thank you Quincy so much for, for letting me You're come welcome. on here. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, thank you. And if you have time, send me those. Well, I know I can find paychecks, but send me your other guys that you mentioned and I'll go ahead and tag them in the post. Do you think they'd appreciate Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yeah, just whenever. I'll get this edited and put up um, probably sometime okay. today. So, yeah. Just okay, thank you, you so much, Quincy. You too. Yes, Bye. have a great day, Morgan. Bye.